You're listening to an Axe Church sermon. If you haven't heard of Axe Church before, we are a church in Camas, Washington. You can check us out at axecamas.org. You can see what we're about and what we're up to. We're glad you're listening today and hope you enjoy this sermon. Relationships with other people before I was really walking with Christ were completely broken. I was obsessed with always wanting to be liked by people, always wanting to be accepted, helping people with their problems and trying to fix them. It was a really bad place for me to be. I mean, I liked being needed. I had a desire to be needed. It made me feel good about myself. It made me feel like I was good at something. So I surrounded myself with a lot of toxic people and got into some really bad relationships that revolved around making people and their problems better and trying to make them a better person and trying to make them to change. Eventually, I got tired of my my entire life revolving around other people and their happiness and them liking me. It was exhausting. So I knew that I needed a relationship where I could be who I wanted to be, and I needed someone to meet me where I was at. I thought the best thing for me was to be needed, but Christ taught me that the best thing for me is to be wanted, not needed. Do you remember the first friend you ever had? The first person who was hanging out with you, and you realized they were hanging out with you because they were actually interested in you, and actually wanted and enjoyed hanging out with you. You remember that? It's a pretty good feeling. Do you remember the first friendship that you ever had that went sideways? The first friendship that you had where it was over, and it was over because you realized that person wasn't interested and hanging out with you anymore, wasn't interested in spending time with you, didn't want you. There's something really wonderful about that first situation when we, when we find relationships where people, you know, want us and, and desire to hang out with us, and there's something very agonizingly painful about that second kind of relationship where we get rejected. And we don't really like pain. Right? As people, we don't really like pain. We try to avoid it at all costs. And so uh, when we experience a relationship ending painfully, we want to avoid that pain in the future. And we realize intuitively that the only way that we can deal with the kind of back and forth wants of people and the only way that we can really avoid pain in relationships is to be needed. We have to be needed, right? Because if we're just wanted, that might change. When I was a kid, I uh, one time I liked raisins. Okay, just I liked them; they're good. Um, and I remember one time I, for some reason, I must have had access to an essentially unlimited amount of raisins because I ate a lot of raisins. Right, this this day I just was eating raisins, and I'm just like, dude, there's all these raisins, and there's no one stopping me. This is amazing. I'm just raising it up until. What you probably can guess happened, I threw up a lot of raisins, right? I got very sick, and there were raisins coming out everywhere. It was, it was really bad. And what happened was I went from somebody who really liked raisins and wanted raisins 
to somebody who didn't anymore. And to this day, I'm not really big on raisins. The worst is if you try to pass off a raisin oatmeal cookie as a chocolate chip cookie, you can just, you're out at that point, okay, with me. Don't do that. Just tell me there's raisins up front. But, you know, our wants can kind of change. The only reason I would eat raisins now is if I needed to. I had to. If I needed to, I would eat them. Other than that, I don't want to eat them. They made me sick, or I made me sick, however you want to look at it. People are scared right now in the world I was reading yesterday. Um, in, the, in the economy, people are really scared because some are predicting that robots, robots will be taking over many jobs soon, okay? Even the jobs of, of some lawyers and doctors. Um, and they're saying basically that some people's work skills that they've spent their whole life developing are going to no longer be needed. Now, at least if they make a robot lawyer, it will have an excuse for not having a heart. But that's a, you know, they're pretty much robots anyway, right? And no, I'm just, I'm kidding. But, but here's the thing. The fear of losing our financial security because we're not needed anymore, that's a real thing. For some people, that's a very scary thing. We have this tendency sometimes to base our own value on how much we're needed, how much we're needed. I remember as a sophomore in high school when the basketball coach for the sophomore team let me know that I would not be needed for that, team's, for that year's team, okay? Um, he didn't even like tell me like personally or like, hey, David, I'm sorry about it. He just named the people who were going to be on the team and then just, I guess, sort of was, was saying everyone else, maybe chess would be better for you or something like that um, because this thing with coordination isn't going to work for you. Um, and so I didn't take up chess, but I didn't play basketball that year either. And I realized I wasn't needed. Of course, I didn't need to be needed by that coach because I already knew I wasn't very good at basketball. That was an experience where I found that I wasn't needed and I was kind of okay with that. Although I think we all know it was political, right? That should have been on that team. Um, could have been somebody. But, but listen, there are some relationships like that, me and this basketball coach who I didn't really know, where I don't need to feel needed. But then there are some others that are a little bit different. And when we realize we're not needed, it can get a little scary. Like the first time that I realized early in my marriage with Tiffany that I realized she didn't need me. She didn't need me. And so I was, I was not something that was going to have to be necessary. Therefore, something else had to be there to keep that relationship together. Or when my kids progressively got older and they, and they learned to, uh, to wipe themselves, to walk by themselves, to feed themselves. And we're, we're all three with both kids as of last week. Um, so <laughs> those of you who don't know, my kids are old. They're teenagers. Um, but they, I realized at some point they don't need me. And so once you realize that, you start to think, and you think to yourself, well, if they don't need me anymore, then my relationship with them is only going to last for as long as they want me. And the problem with that is I know me. And that's not going to last long if that's the only thing holding it together, right? And so there are a couple ways that people look at the world. Really, I can divide sort of the philosophies and the ideas and the isms of the world into basically kind of two Main ideas, right, that kind of start things out. One says that all human beings are valuable. That one's true. The other one says that no human beings are valuable, that human beings aren't really valuable, which is a lie, okay? But as we go through this, in this series, we're studying who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? And the answer to that question tells us the truth about our value, 
tells us the truth about our value. And so many of us run around in fear because of the hurts that have been caused by other people, because of the hurts that we've caused other people. We've got this fear. We've got this shame. We're insecure. We're afraid of each other because we know the pain that we can cause one another, and we know that, that painful experience of rejection that we've all had at one time or another. And so we chase after relationships sometimes where we'll be needed so we can feel valuable and have some security in that relationship. Because if we're needed, we can't be rejected. They need us. Some of us even play this game with God, right? We do kind of the right thing, and we give money to the church, and we get up, and we come to the church, and we volunteer here or there. We do these things, and we start to think somehow that our value is based on the things that we do for God. I mean, what would God do without us, right? But here's something that you need to know about who Jesus is, and this is kind of the thing you need to take home today. Jesus doesn't need you, but he wants you. Jesus does not need you, but he wants you. Listen, Acts 17, 24 through 25, it says, God who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshiped with men's hands as though he needed anything. Since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. God does not need you. Jesus does not need you. And for some people that comes kind of as a shock because they've never really thought about it before. And for some people that probably comes as a major relief. And it ought to be that second thing. It ought to be a major relief. If you had a friend who came to you every day and knocked on your door in the morning and said to you, make me happy. Give me joy. How long could you stand to be in that relationship? How long could you stand the pressure of that relationship? If anyone truly, I want you to think about this, if any other person truly, truly needed you, you could not stand the pressure of being truly needed. Even those who seem to need you, right? Like we have babies, they're very small. They need us at some level. We got to feed them. We got to do whatever. But even those, you have to realize that you can't possibly meet any of their real needs without you yourself needing and relying on God. And so it's really him who's providing those for them. See, you can't measure up to what people want from you. You can never find your value that way. Never. Now here's the beautiful truth. Jesus loves you. God loves you. Not because he needs you. He doesn't need you. He wants you. He desires a relationship with you. In John 3, you know these verses, hopefully, 3, 16, and 17, it says, for God so loved the world. It doesn't say, for God so needed the world. He was thirsty, right? He, he needed that. Some of you know what that means, and the rest of us don't know what it means, but I heard it on TV. Uh, it means you really want people's attention or whatever. But God, God did not so love the world because he needed affection. He needed worship. Oh, what was he going to do without us? It doesn't say that. It says he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That everlasting life is to be spent in relationship with him. God wants you. He wants to be in relationship with you. And this is an astonishing truth about who Jesus is. 
The psalmist says in Psalm 8, 3 through 4, it says, When I look at the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you established, what is man that you take notice of him? Or the son of man that you pay attention to him? Who are we that God should care about us? It is incredible that God who made the world through his son loves us, wants us, wants a relationship with us, and yet does not need us at all. The truth is that there's only one who could possibly bear the weight of truly being needed, and that's God. He's the only one who could possibly bear the weight of truly being needed. Jesus doesn't need you, but you need him. You need him. Psalm 40, 17, it says, But I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinks upon me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O my God. John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Nothing. We can't do anything without God. We rely on him for our every breath. But with Jesus Christ, we can do all things. Philippians 4, 13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The greatest commandments are to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves, right? But here's the thing. We could never do that second commandment, loving our neighbor as ourselves, if we didn't do the first one. If we didn't go to God for the needs, we could never love our neighbor like we're supposed to or do anything else. We wouldn't have the ability. We wouldn't have the power. We need Jesus. We need Jesus in order to love our neighbor, in order to do anything. We need Jesus for everything, and God gives us everything we need. Philippians 4.19, and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Some of you in this room today are probably still believing some form of the lie that human beings don't really have value. There's a lot of people who will say that to you these days. A lot of people who will say, essentially, everything is an accident. There's no God. There's no whatever. You're basically a walking meat sack. You don't have any value. You don't have any purpose. You, you know, and, and, that, and that gets into us and causes an effect. And some of us, I think, are still believing that. And then others have based their value on things that have nothing to do with what their value is. And if you watch uh, a television show today, uh, you'll find that people are, are constantly telling us that our value is in things other than what our value is really in. And so some of us still believe part of this lie that either we're not valuable at all as humans, or at least we have a hard time seeing our own value. Some of you still measure your value by how much you're needed. By how much you're needed. But if you're needed in that way, okay, if, you're needed, if your value is in being needed, then you're just a means to an end to fulfill someone else's need, right? Rather than being an end in yourself, okay? Rather than being valuable in yourself, if your only value is in being needed, then you're, only, then, then you're just a means. You're just a tool, right? There's nothing more than that. So we're asking, who is Jesus? And I have to say, where do you think the truth comes from? Because certainly there are those who say, that human beings have value. It's written into the Declaration of Independence, although not always followed 
well. It's written into a lot of things that, oh, you know, we have this value, we have whatever. Where do you think that comes from? All of this comes from Jesus. When we ask who is Jesus, this idea that human beings are valuable, it comes from Jesus. And here's the thing. If you're in prison or if you're a prostitute or a murderer or a thief or a liar or a gossip or a glutton, if you've destroyed your family relationships, if you're a drunk or a workaholic or addicted to drugs or pornography, Jesus is the one who says that you are valuable. Jesus is the one who says that you are wanted, even though you're all those things. Jesus is the one who not only speaks against the lie that you don't have value, but proved proved that you had value through his actions because he did something amazing as God. John 15, 13 says, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Romans 8, 31 to 32. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus proved that he loves you, that he wants you. He is God. He didn't have to come down and live like a human and be a human being. He most certainly didn't deserve to or have to die for your sin. He did all of this because he loves you, because he wants you. And then he rose again defeating everything that could ever stand in the way of us being with him. And unlike the people in this world who are unpredictable and undependable in their wants and their likes, Jesus will never stop loving you, and he will never stop wanting you. Romans 8, 38 through 39 says, For I am persuaded... That neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Some of us have heard this before. God loves you. Jesus loves you. Some of us know this, and yet we still walk through life living this spectacle where we fall on one side or another of this need cycle, Right? We misplace our only need, which is our need for God in Jesus Christ, and we trade it for one of two things, either by being needed by others, by looking to be needed by other people, right? Or by, by needing others, by being a person who's constantly needing others to feel our own value. For those of us who find our value and worth in being needed by others, I just want to ask, how is that working out? How is that working out based on your value on being needed by others? And, and answer this, can you give life? Can you truly fulfill the needs of other people? Because you would have to be God to do that. So that game, that part of that need cycle, needing to be needed by others, is going to end very badly for you. And if that's your kind of temptation, you probably already know that. And for those of us who are looking to other people for our needs... How's that working out? Have other people been able to provide for your inmost needs? 
Have they been able to give us life? No. Only God can do that. For those of us addicted to being needed, stop trying to be what you're not and stop trying to give what you have never had to give. And for those of us looking to others for our needs, stop trying to take from people what only God has to give. Don't look to put other people in the place of the one true God, and don't look to put yourself in the place of the one true God. Listen, there is only one need relationship. This is important. There is only one need relationship that exists, and that is our need for God. Our need for God, period. That's the need relationship. And that need goes one way, right? God doesn't need us, nor does he need to be needed by us. He just loves us and wants relationship with us. But we need him. And every other relationship we have, if it's healthy and not caught somewhere in this need cycle that we're just talking about, every other relationship is built on our relationship with God, our need relationship with God. And all those relationships should be relationships based on the joy of the love we have in Christ. The love of Christ should compel us to love those who he loves, not to try to replace him with them or to be him to them. Just love them and want relationship with them. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7 says, Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. See, none of the things listed here about love have anything to do with neediness. Nothing. Nothing. We do need Jesus Christ, but here's the thing. Like he wants us, we should want him too. Not just need him, but want him too because he is awesome. Awesome. 1 John four nineteen. we love him because he first loved us. Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He loved us, he loves us, and we love him out of a response to his love for us. We don't just need him, we love him, we want him. We all need him, but we all need salvation, okay? That is to say we all need forgiveness for our sins and the peace and the grace that Jesus offers us offers us. We could have everything else in the world and it would not fulfill our needs. Everything else in the world. Mark 8, 36, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Jesus fulfills our needs without needing us. And here is another truth for you to rest in this morning in case you're wondering, in case you're struggling with this. You're enough. You are enough. He wants you. You. Every single person here. He wants you. Not some future version of you where you get your entire zoo of a life in order. Okay? That's not who he wants. He wants you right here, right now, today. He's not asking you to measure up because he doesn't need you. Do you see how that works? You don't have to measure up to some standard because he doesn't need you. He just wants you. And because he loves you, 
He's building you up. He's building you up. And how do you know as we think about, is God building me up? Is God building me up? How do we know? I can tell you how you'll know. Because it hurts. Because it hurts. It's painful. C.S. Lewis said this, We are not metaphorically, but in very truth, a divine work of art. Something that God is making and therefore something with which he will not be satisfied until it has a certain character. Here again we come up against what I have called the intolerable compliment. Over a sketch made idly to amuse a child, an artist may not take much trouble. He may be content to let it go even though it is not exactly what he meant it to be. But over the great picture of his life, the work which he loves, though in a different fashion, as intensely as a man loves a woman or a mother or a child, he will take endless trouble and would doubtless thereby give endless trouble to the picture if it were sentient. One could imagine a sentient picture after being rubbed and scraped and recommenced for the tenth time, wishing that it were only a thumbnail sketch whose making was over in a minute. In the same way, it is natural for us to wish that God had designed us for a less glorious and less arduous destiny. But then we are wishing not for more love, but for less. You, listen, because some of you need to hear this. You are his masterpiece. You are his great work. That's how he thinks about you. I normally like long, uh, complicated arguments in, in sermons with lots of history and philosophy, as many of you know. But when we're studying who is Jesus, I have to tell you the very simple truth that we've been talking about today. This is so fundamental to understanding who God is and to living your life, is that Jesus doesn't need you, but he wants you. Don't you see that it is the great desire of your life? to be wanted, but not because you're needed. If you look into your heart and you ask yourself, what, what am I always really, really searching for? What is that thing that Jesus fulfills that you're to be wanted without being needed? That you're to be wanted not because you fulfill some purpose for someone else, not for any reason other than the fact that you are you. And this is what Jesus models for us. And he modeled it unto death and resurrection. He shows us not to look at the person next to us for our value. Oh, if my kid didn't need me, I don't know what my worth would be. If my wife didn't need me, I don't know what my worth would be. If my, if my husband didn't need me, if the, if the team didn't need me, if my job didn't need me, I don't know what my value would be. And he says, step out of that nonsense. Because all of our value comes from him. That we need to look to him because he's shown us very clearly what our value is, that he wants us and desires us, and that we're his great masterpiece, and he doesn't even need us at all. He just loves us. There's a song. We used to sing a classic song when I was in church called Jesus Loves Me. Some of you probably know that song. You know, Jesus loves me. I'm not going to sing the whole thing. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak 
But he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. And it seems so kind of cheesy now when you think about this song they sing in little kids' church, and yet it is actually and actively very powerful in its truth. And its truth cuts to the heart of so much of our dysfunction as people. We forget the truth of this little song. And we start to think that we need love from other places, that we can somehow replace God with, with love from other sources, with needing other sources or being needed by other sources. And we need to go back to Children's Church and remember that Jesus loves us for the Bible tells us so. And if Jesus loves you and the Bible says he does, then there is nothing else that you need. And it's arrogance and foolishness to think that you could be something that is needed. This truth, understanding the everlasting love of Jesus Christ, should make you want to live for Jesus. It should compel you to love Jesus. It should make you want to live for him, to die for him, to follow him every day and in every way. This truth helps us to understand that everything has to be about Jesus and not about anyone else or anything else. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. No matter what your story is, no matter what your past is, no matter how you have failed or how anyone has failed you, Jesus still wants you. Jesus wants you. Listen to this, John 15, 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. And that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. God chose us. God chose you. God has called you into this place this morning or listening online or hearing on the, on the podcast channel or whatever this happens to be. Because he wants you. And he desires relationship with you. And he wants you to experience peace and salvation and forgiveness and grace and transformation today by choosing to follow him. Think about this for a second. I told you what the biggest desire of our heart is, to be wanted without being needed. If that's the biggest desire of our heart, doesn't it seem just logical that there should have to be some way to fulfill that desire? The biggest desire of our hearts is to be loved unconditionally. That we could be completely vulnerable and completely known and still completely loved. Only God, who made us, could ever completely know us in that way. Could ever know everything, every thought, every action. And he loves us unconditionally warts and all. He knows every thought and every motive and every action that you have ever had. And he still loves you. 
our biggest desire, the one thing that we really need satisfied, cannot be satisfied in the things of this fallen world. We can never get this thing, this, this deepest desire, this relationship of love, this relationship of love where we need God, but he doesn't need us, where he loves us, where he wants us, where he just desires us. We can never get that in this, from people and from things in this fallen world. It can only be satisfied by God in Jesus Christ. And this is actually one of the ways that I know that God is real and that the Bible is true. Because of this desire I have in my heart that I know can only be fulfilled by something outside of this world. This is what C.S. Lewis writes. He says, the Christian says creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction for those desires exists. A baby feels hunger. Well, there is such a thing as food. A duckling desires to swim. Well, there is such a thing as water. Men feel sexual desire. I didn't say anything about women. Uh, well, there's such a thing as sex. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. If none of my earthly pleasures satisfy it, that does not prove that the universe is a fraud. Probably earthly pleasures were never meant to satisfy it, but to arouse it, to suggest the real thing. We are made for relationship with God. If we truly search our hearts, we will find that without that relationship, without that one where we're not needed but we're wanted, where we're desired, where the relationship is desired, where God knows us, everything about us, where there's nothing that can come, no other shoe to drop, no, if they ever found out about this, if they ever knew about this, they'd stop wanting me, they'd stop needing me. God knows it all and says, I still want you and I still need you. And without that relationship, we could never have joy. So who is Jesus? He's the one who came to give us what we need because he was the only one who could. If you want to know one of the reasons why Christianity just will not go away, why Christianity grows year after year in places all over the world, even though it's ridiculed, fought with, even though Christians are martyred and rejected, it's because of this. It's because Jesus loves us. And it's because he wants us, not because he needs us. There is so much freedom in that. It frees us to be ourselves in him. It frees us to be ourselves with everyone else. And that truth, that thing that fulfills the deepest desire of every human being, that truth is what will not die. And why Christianity will never go away because that truth is so powerful what Jesus Christ did on the cross, the center of that truth, of that love for us, is not going away. His resurrection that was witnessed by hundreds of people is not going away because these are the proofs that that relationship exists, that he really does want you, that he really does love you without needing you. It's a guy named Yemel Yan Yaroslavsky. Sorry if you're Russian, you could probably pronounce that better than me. Um, he was the chairman of Stalin's League of the Militant Godless. All right? So, great guy. And he said this. He said, Christianity is like a nail. The harder you strike it, the deeper it goes. And listen, as long as we continue to rest in God's love through Jesus Christ, as long as we understand this truth, as long as we'll live in it, as long as we'll go back like a child and sing, Jesus loves me, this I know. I don't need 
this other person. I might want them. I might, I might want to please God and to please them by being in a relationship, but I don't need that other person. I don't need that thing. I don't need that money. I don't need that security. Jesus loves me. He wants me. That's an eternal truth that I can rest in. If we can live like that, then no matter how hard you strike Christianity, it's only going to drive deeper. I thought the best thing for me was to be needed. But Christ taught me that the best thing for me is to be wanted, not needed. With Christ, there's nothing I can do or say to earn his love. He just loves me. There's nothing I can do to make him more awesome than he already is. He doesn't need me to make him stronger, more powerful, more amazing. He wants to love me. He wants to pursue me. He wants to comfort me. He desires so much to have that relationship with me, regardless of where I'm at and how I'm doing in my life. God didn't create relationships so we could find our value and worth in them. He created relationships with one another so we can experience a fraction of the love and desire that He has for us. He wants us to be in relationship with one another to experience what He has in store for us when we get to heaven and when He comes back to earth. Well, thanks for listening to our sermon. Again, this has been a sermon from Axe Church in Camas, Washington. We hope you enjoyed it and got a lot out of it. If you did, you can subscribe to our channel as well as liking and commenting. We love to hear how these sermons are impacting you. You can also take a look at our podcast series that we have out. And we'll catch you again next week.